Good morning. This is the day that the Lord has made. Let us rejoice and be glad in it. Welcome to Mayflower Congregational Church on this Lord's Day. It's wonderful to see so many beautiful and familiar faces. If you are with us live stream, hello, or here in the sanctuary, we'd love to have you sign that friendship register. So if you can find it on the aisle, pass it along, or the e-register. If you're somewhere out in the world joining us on a screen, we're happy you're with us today, too. Also in the pew are those prayer cards. So if you have something you're super excited about and you want to share, and we can praise God for that, or if you have a prayer request, you would like prayer this morning, please fill out that card. And during the middle hymn, those will be collected. I have two very somber announcements to make this morning, that in the family of Mayflower, we have lost two very special people. Jim Cook passed away this last week. Jim and Deb have been longtime members here, and Jim's funeral just happened on Friday. And then yesterday, David Weiner passed away, and uh, their funeral plans are not announced yet, but they will, it will be here. So keep your ear to the ground for that announcement. And please remember the Cook family and the Weiner family in your prayers. Well, this summer at Mayflower, as you are well aware, we have a series of guest preachers, and this morning we're blessed to have Reverend Catherine Lee Baker with us. She's a dear friend of mine, a dear friend of this church, so we're very excited. Next Sunday, Reverend Lindsay Small will be here for the first time, and the liturgist next Sunday will be someone you know, Steve Armfield, who happens to be her father. So that'll be a fun Sunday, so make sure you put that on your calendar. So let us begin our service with a call to worship, which can be found on page two of your bulletin. Lord, you have shown us the greatest commandment, to love the Lord with all our heart, soul, strength, and mind. Who else are we to love? Our neighbors as ourselves. What happens when we do this? May we live to worship the Lord of love.
Let us join our hearts together for our opening prayer. O holy God, we gather on this summer Sunday to worship you, to hear from you, to be gathered together with other saints who desire to grow in our faith and our love. Please meet us here. Open us up to what you have to show us. May we be changed people because of our interaction with you and with each other. We love you, Lord. Amen. Good morning. My name is Andrea Coster, and I'd like to invite any children that are worshiping with us today to the front. And if there's not, which we kind of suspected, um, that's okay. A lot of people are vacationing, and um, as you know, the children's messages this uh, summer have been about things about the church that you may not know about or that you just take for granted. Did you know how special the candlelight at the altar is? And it's so special that there is a role that the children play here in the church called an acolyte. And it's usually an older grade school child or a middle school child. And the acolytes stand at the back of the sanctuary before the service begins, and they hold these candlesticks. And they're lit at one end, and as they come down the aisle, it represents them bringing the Spirit of God into the church. And they go up onto the altar, and they light the candles, and that represents the Spirit of God being with all of us during the service. And then after the service is about to be finished, they go up, they light the candlesticks again, they extinguish the candlesticks on the altar, and then they walk back down the aisle, and it represents all of us hopefully sharing the Spirit of God onto the world, into the world. So with that, when the children get older, they're all welcome to be an acolyte, and it's a very special representation of our spirit. So um, hopefully we all know what the candlelight's about, and we will today share that spirit onto the world. Shall we pray? Dear Lord, thank you for this beautiful day. Thank you for this opportunity for all of us to worship together. And may we shine your spirit onto the world and always. If there are any children today that would like to join me down in youth room A, I will be down there waiting. Um, So thank you. Have a great day.
The first scripture reading is from Colossians, chapter 1, verses 1 through 14. It can be found on page 833 in your pew Bible, beginning on verse 1. Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus by the will of God, and Timothy, our brother, to God's holy people in Colossae, the faithful brothers and sisters in Christ, grace and peace to you from God our Father. We always thank God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, when we pray for you. Because we have heard of your faith in Christ Jesus and of the love you have for all God's people, the faith and love that spring from the hope stored up for you in heaven and about which you have already heard in the true message of the gospel that has come to you. In the same way, the gospel is bearing fruit and growing throughout the whole world, just as it has been doing among you since the day you heard it and truly understood God's grace. You learned it from Epaphras, our dear fellow servant, who was a faithful minister of Christ on our behalf, and who also told us of your love in the Spirit. For this reason, since the day we heard about you, we have not stopped praying for you. We continually ask God to fill you with the knowledge of his will through all the wisdom and understanding that the Spirit gives, so that you may live a life worthy of the Lord and please him in every way bearing fruit in every good work, growing in the knowledge of God, being strengthened with all power according to his glorious might, so that you may have great endurance and patience, and giving joyful thanks to the Father, who has qualified you to share in the inheritance of his holy people in the kingdom of light. For he has rescued us from the dominion of darkness and brought us into the kingdom of the Son he loves, in whom we have redemption the forgiveness of sins. The second reading comes from Luke, chapter 10, verses 25 to 37. This can be found on page 735 of your pew Bible, the parable of the Good Samaritan. On one occasion, an expert in the law stood up to test Jesus. Teacher, he asked, what must I do to inherit eternal life? What is written in the law, he replied. How do you read it? He answered, love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your strength and with all your mind and love your neighbor as yourself. You've answered correctly, Jesus replied. Do this and you will live. But he wanted to justify himself. So he asked Jesus, and who is my neighbor? In reply, Jesus said, A man was going down from Jerusalem to Jericho when he was attacked by robbers. They stripped him of his clothes, beat him, and went away, leaving him half dead. A priest happened to be going down the same road, and when he saw the man, he passed by on the other side. So too a Levite, when he came to the place and saw him, passed by on the other side. But a Samaritan, as he traveled, came where the man was, and when he saw him, he took pity on him. He went to him and bandaged his wounds, pouring on oil and wine. Then he put the man on his own donkey, brought him to an inn, and took care of him. The next day he took out two denarii and gave them to the innkeeper. Look after him, he said, and when I return, I will reimburse you for any extra expense you may have. Which of these three do you think was a neighbor to the man who fell into the hands of robbers? The expert in the law replied, 
the one who had mercy on him. Jesus told him, go and do likewise. This is the word of God. Let us pray. Guide us, O God, by your word and spirit, that in your life we may see light, in your truth find freedom, and in your will discover peace. Through Christ Jesus our Lord and all God's people have said, Amen. Hello, my friends. I am back. For those of you who might, not, who might not know me or might be wondering why I maybe look familiar, my name is Reverend Catherine Lee Baker, and I'm an ordained minister in the Reformed Church in America and a dear friend to my wonderful Ruth Bell Olson. I'm a local boomerang and a community trustee here in Grand Rapids, and I tend to have the habit of shaking things up simply by offering the voice and perspective of a truth-telling, moderately young person of color, adoptee, feminist, womanist, visionary, and imperfect human on every level. I thank you for the invitation to join you here once again at Mayflower Congregational Church as your guest preacher for the day, finding you again in another season of transition as you welcome your new minister, Reverend Sean Bowalski, that together you may respond to the Spirit's call and to Christ's invitation to take up your cross and to follow him. This morning in this space, or wherever or whenever this message may find you, we have the opportunity to assemble, to deepen, and to refresh ourselves in the Holy Spirit with our familiar voices and unique perspectives summer series. And so I appeal to you this morning, asking you to ponder how to live more fully into this invitation. For the love of God. The title of this sermon is a bit cheeky, and it might make some of us blush or laugh or grow a little stern. I get it. We are taught as, a, as Christians never to invoke the Lord's name in vain, and to use a phrase for some seems both perilous and unwarranted. And yet this morning, our Christ Jesus invites us to consider exactly that, what it might mean on heaven and on earth when we say, for the love of God. Today, the scripture passages that come to us by lectionary are much more than timely and typical, for if we are to receive these verses with the fullness of grace and the fullness of truth, we must receive them as they are placed in the context of the syntax and time. Not too dissimilar from our context and reality today, so if you have your Bibles open and you look at that Lucan passage, chapter 10, we acknowledge, or Jesus acknowledges, that even in the kingdom of God, there are labor shortages. 
And Jesus had just recognized that supply never truly scales with demand. Everything always runs lean. As we are familiar, just a few verses before, Christ had just sent out 70 imploring them to scale back on what they had thought, what was, quote-unquote, necessity. For Jesus knew that there was and is and always will be an abundance of work needing to be done. And Jesus knew that long-term progress sometimes requires staving off short-term discouragement, cynicism, and overwhelm. So in the magic of the moment, in the verses before, The disciples had just returned with joy, for they had surmised what it meant to survive. By the skin of their teeth, they had triumphed. Almost comically, it is in the scene of the gospel that Christ confesses to the foolishness and befuddling mystery of faith, which is that God can truly work through anyone. And then, entering the scene that comes to us this morning and deepening the stakes, is a legalistic bystander setting up one of the most beloved and perplexing parables of the Bible, that of the Good Samaritan. The the attorney or interlocutor of the exchange wasn't quite clear about the assignment and sought to figure out how to make the grade. What is the point of faith and of faithfulness, if not the reward and the result of eternal life? It cannot be so simple or enough to be sent out by God and to come back rejoicing. What is really in it for us? What is the return on the investment? So, the attorney asked the question that honestly many of us and everyone in that room probably wanted to be answered. When the feelings fade, when the rejoicing dies down, how will I know that I got it right? How will I know that I have done enough? And to answer that question, Jesus points to the law. For the love of God, love God and neighbor, and you will live. Jesus circles back to what the lawyer already knew. For the love of God, this should have been enough. But the lawyer persists. And let us not believe that the lawyer is wrong to do so, but the lawyer inquires, well, who is my neighbor? As if to state, well, tell me what that means. For the love of God, Jesus actually persists, and he didn't have to. And Jesus shares a story about a person who needed to be rescued in order to live. And Jesus shares about that person's rescuer, who was the last person on the list of rescuers expected, and also likely the last person on the list of rescuers deemed acceptable. As theologian Matthew Skinner summarizes in an exegetical read of Luke 10, he states, in the parable that Jesus provides, he does much more than endorse compassion, generosity, and etiquette for travelers. Jesus demands that the hearers of this message embrace opportunities to practice love for others in powerful ways and also perhaps to receive that love from surprising sources. 
At no point does Jesus return to the lawyer's original question to ask him to identify whom in the parable we should consider to be our neighbor. But instead, Jesus prompts him, and thereby us, to consider reorienting the question altogether, moving away from any limitation of our responsibility and moving towards actively seeking out opportunities to practice compassion and care even when our preconceived notions, our biases, and our belligerence conspire against it. The unique perspective for this familiar story that we receive today is that we have been called to be good Samaritans and we have been called to receive good Samaritans ourselves in the kingdom of God. We are called to mend, to heal, to care for, and to love people whom we genuinely did not expect to. And we are called to receive mending and healing and care and love from people whom we generally do not accept. All of this for the love of God. This exchange between the attorney and our Savior, captured in this scripture passage this morning, serves as a beautiful reminder that the gospel is as complicated as it is simple. When the feelings fade, we will only know that we got it right and that we have done enough if we have done so and done everything for the love of God. We do not love God, self, and neighbor because of eternal life. We do not love God, self, and neighbor because we're hoping for a return on investment. We do not love God and self and neighbor because it fulfills a contingency clause or is a part of our fine print. As the mystic and scholar Thomas Merton implored throughout his lifetime, our job is to love others without stopping to inquire whether or not they are worthy. What we are asked to do is to love and that this love itself will render both ourselves and our neighbors worthy. For we must know, love seeks only one thing, the good of the one loved. It therefore leaves all of the other secondary effects to take care of themselves. Love itself, therefore, is its own reward. The church in Colossae knew this well. As we heard in the accompanying passage exclaimed by the Apostle Paul, their faith in Jesus and the love this church had for God's people had become renowned. They had been bearing the fruit of the Spirit from the moment they heard and comprehended the gospel and the grace of God. They were not caught up in the measurables, the deliverables, or qualifiers about eternal life. Instead, They were focused on the rescuer of all and committed to going and to do likewise, all for the love of God. My friends, the love of God compels us to give our everything, not just our Sunday best and a quick stop along the journey, but also our bandages, our ointment, our wine, our denarii, our insistence for healing 
and our commitment to following up. The love of God compels us to give our everything, not just our worship and Bible studies, but also our preconceived notions, our biases, and our belligerence. The love of God compels us to give our unyielding participation and stakeholdership in one another's well-being and in our community's spiritual vitality, all with truest accountability, persistence, and wholeness. The love of God compels us to give our listening ears, our willingness to reorient questions, and also our eternal lives. Sometimes, as people of faith, we wonder why faithfulness isn't easier. Shouldn't it be as easy as sending people out to complete an assignment? Shouldn't it be as easy as pointing to the law? Shouldn't it be as easy as asking a few good questions or listening to a simple story? Shouldn't it be as easy as bearing witness to good news? And yet today, we remember that to love the Lord your God with all your heart and soul and mind and strength, and to love your neighbor as yourself requires us to do so, to love in a way that doesn't care if reward is on the line, that doesn't legalize or politicize or patronize faithfulness, and it doesn't strategize or colonize or romanticize the gospel either. We love the Lord our God for the love of God, And because that love of God, the love that God loves us with, inspires us, equips us, and compels us to do so. My partner actually summarized this the other day, saying, when you do someone a favor, do you really want to do the favor? Or do you want someone to owe you a favor? We remember that sometimes it is doing the favor that is earnest and privilege enough. My friends, we know that faithfulness is not so easy. And sometimes when we seek to the answer the question, who is our neighbor, it really will make us blush or laugh or grow stern. All for the love of God. What's funny today is that the neighbor in the parable might be the Good Samaritan. But in the stories to come, let us remember that the neighbor ended up being the robber. God truly can work through anyone. And for this reason alone, all God's people have said, Amen.
Now is the time we create space in the service for worshiping through giving. Thank you for supporting the ministry of Mayflower both within these walls and beyond. The ushers will now come forward to receive this morning's offering.
Lord, we offer all that we have to you, our hearts and our lives, as well as our finances. Do with us what you will. We pray that our gifts, tithes, and offerings will bring you glory, honor, and praise. Amen. Now, we tried the passing of the peace. Didn't work so well a couple of weeks ago. So as you sit down, if you want to turn and maybe just wave at a neighbor, share a smile, something, you know, a little safer, but you may be seated at this time. See, you can do this. It's good to be together, isn't it, here in the house of God? Well, it's time for our congregational prayer, and as I mentioned, there are two families in our congregation that are grieving, and we will lift them up. I also wanted to mention um, that I got a couple of emails this week from Bruce Galloway. Hi, Bruce. Um, Please pray for his son, who is in a burn unit in Indiana. He was in a terrible accident. This week, So we'll pray for him, Bruce, and we'll just keep him close to our hearts as well. So let's join our hearts as we do now for our congregational prayer. Oh, holy God, we ask this morning, what does it mean to love with our full self? What does it mean to love deeply, widely, unconditionally, and with reckless abandon? Help us to do this. Help us to understand how to do this. Give us the power to do this. Help us to explore the creative ways we can reflect you in our hurting world. We admit that it can be so easy to get overwhelmed by the evil, the pain, and the conflict that we see all around us. We confess that sometimes taking a side feels easier than entering into the hard work of loving across dividing lines. You call us to love and to bring peace, and so we pray for this. Love and peace in light of the turmoil we see in our world. We pray for those in our community who suffer today. Lord, I know walking through these doors, people brought all kinds of burdens they didn't want to write on a prayer card. So, Lord, I pray that you meet each person deep, deep in their heart and their spirit where they're hurting Some are facing diagnoses and illness. Some are in treatment, and some are awaiting test results. Lord, I just pray that you bring that supernatural comfort, healing, healing work into those who are struggling. And Lord, for those who are grieving, we pray for the Cook family as they lay to rest their precious husband and father and grandfather, Jim, We thank you for his life, and we pray in his death for your comfort. And for the Wiener family who just yesterday, John and Carol lost their son, and Jen lost her husband, and those four children lost their dad. Lord, I pray that you just wrap your arms of love around that family. Reveal yourself to them in ways they never could have even imagined. Again, we thank you for David's life, and we pray that in his death, your spirit will just infuse that family and those friends and bring them comfort, Lord, please. Lord, we pray for those who are simply lonely. We pray for your divine companionship. 
And give us open hearts to listen to your Spirit's prompting in our lives. That we may be people guided to serve and act when you prompt us to do so. When, a, when someone's name keeps coming up and we're supposed to call, Lord, help us to do that. Prompt us toward holy action to love those around us powerfully and beautifully. And, of course, God, we offer our gratitude this morning that you've led us this far. Thank you for being alive in our lives and loving us so much. Thank you for this church and this community. Thank you that we are not alone. And, Lord, thank you for bringing Sean Bowalski and the whole Bowalski family here to Grand Rapids for a brief visit to see this place where they will be serving. We thank you for this divine connection. We pray for their ministry here. We know the best is yet to come. You hold us in the palm of your hand. And now, Lord, as a body of believers, we are intent on following this way of Jesus. So let us pray together with one voice and one heart the prayer that our Savior taught. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, the power, and the glory forever. Amen.
my friends, for the love of God, may we go into the world with vigor and hope, with all of our hearts, our minds, our soul, and our strength. Let us love God, and let us love neighbor, and let us love self. And now may the love of God, the peace of our Lord Jesus Christ, and the communion of the Holy Spirit be with us now and forevermore, and all God's people have said, Amen.